Hey everyone, hi, hello, this is Alex, serving up a solo mea culpa before we begin here. Okay, we work really hard to ensure that the audio quality of this podcast meets my insanely high standards, and we usually do meet those, but sometimes technology wins the battle, does it ever. In the podcast you're about to hear, all of Nick's remarks sound fine and normal, but I did not realize until after we had finished recording the episode that all of my remarks were captured from the subpar speakers on my Mac laptop, not the rather expensive, very well-mounted microphone that I normally speak into, the very same one that I'm speaking into right now. That's all. I sound like I have a bit of an echo, like I recorded it in a tunnel, kind of. Maybe the Babylon Tunnel, perhaps. I was <laughs> frustrated, to say the least, but I appreciate the chance to explain myself before we get going. That's it. Enjoy. Another pod is going to be coming very soon after the Oscar nominations are announced tomorrow, January 24th. Okay, here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow and I'm joined by my best man, Nick Dosel. How you doing there, Pearl? It's disgusting. You're disgusting. You're such a, you know, uh, you know, whatever. You excited? (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I am. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be excited to be here. 2022. We are in January 2023 at this point, but we always wait a few weeks into the new year to reveal our top 10 of the year. Last year, we only revealed five because 2021, not that good of a movie year. That's how we're going to start today. Uh. (laughs) General thoughts on 2022, because I actually think, you know, this was a better year than the past two years for movies. Like it was 2020 was kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a buy year. We can more or less write that one off. There's some good stuff in there. Last year, 2021 was when the business was, you know, finding its footing again, which it still has yet to do. But some directors and studios were still holding back their releases, not letting us see their movies. 2022, there's no more excuses. Tommy Cruz, you got to let us see Maverick. (laughs) (laughs) And while while 2022, you know, it it certainly didn't reach the highs of 2019, which was like a gift from the movie gods before we got wrecked by COVID. But I did like this year more than the past two. I think we are going to talk about a very diverse group of films today, films that have not necessarily appeared on a lot of other top 10 lists I've seen, but how are you feeling? I, I agree with your sentiment. I think this was a better year than last year. I think this year has really marked what it is that American audiences want from movies, mm-hmm. but the really, really artsy indie stuff, the stuff that's doing big swings, the stuff that's kind of doing some stuff that's weird and avant-garde and, and absurd. And I mean, there's a lot of that in here too. Like, it didn't get received very well. And the blockbuster is here to stay in a way that I, it's 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 gigantic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the year was kind of all over the place. Like, uh, definitely, 
I'm looking over my top 10 here and there's, there will be a few themes, which is one is going to be, you know, sorry if you didn't see this movie because no one did, you know, that that's a common thing. Some smaller films. That's a very bit. Yeah. That weren't like, I mean, I, I have some major films by series directors that no one gave a shit about. No one went to the COVID hangover is still among us. Cause I don't, I, that may be still preventing a lot of people from going back to the theaters, which was a huge issue for the year. Not for Avatar 2, not for Top Gun Maverick, not for a select few blockbusters, as you mentioned. But, you know, the mid-tier movie, meaning I'm strictly talking in terms of budget. Yeah, people aren't really showing up for these in the theaters too much anymore. You know, like uh, Banshees did not do well in theaters at all. But then it was released on HBO Max. And then suddenly everyone in my life was talking about Banshees. When no one except you and our friend Dan... I hadn't had a cop and my dad, those are the only people I talked about Banshees with for its entire theatrical run. Then it comes out on HBO Max. So we cannot measure, you know, box office. It's just like one number that we have. Oh, this is how many people have seen it. But then once it hits a streaming service, it can take on a life of its own. But yeah, I mean, I think there were some definitely some weird ass movies this year. A few were embraced, some of which I liked, some of which I didn't. But it was kind of all over the place. But I got to say, like when I'm looking at Everything I'm going to talk about today, I've definitely seen at least twice because I wanted to. Some of them I saw several times in the theater. So I think this year is going to have more of a staying power for me in terms of movies. I just watch more. And to be fair, um, the some of the emotional rides that I went on with movies this year were way more meaningful and impactful on all levels. Yeah. Like yeah. in terms of fun entertainment, but then also just hard hitting, like just emotional drama. I had more times in the theater with those levels than I've had in the last two years. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I, so I guess that's a very, that's a very important thing to bring up about 2022. All right. Before we get to our lists and we will get there shortly, I just wanted to talk about some of my personal favorite movie related narratives of 2022. A lot. This is just supposed to be fun. And we'll go through them quickly. Deep Water brings back the erotic thriller before it goes away immediately. Adrian Lin made his first film in 20 years. His first since the erotic thriller masterpiece that is unfaithful. What a picture. What a picture. Deep Water starred a hot couple at the time, Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. It's a great film. It's a silly film. It's a ridiculous film. I loved it. We loved it. What's not to like? Mm -hmm. I just, you know, there was like a a month or so when people were talking about this a lot, mostly because of the COVID pictures of Affleck and Dayarmis. But still, like, I watched this thing the second it was available. And I was like, dude, you got to watch this thing. It's nuts. (laughs) It it was so good. Yeah. And and it's crazy to think (laughs) Uh, that that's exactly pretty much a year ago. It came out in like February or like, yep. And and it's like, wow. All right. This is it it was truly one of one of it, it. We'll get into it. <laughs> well, that's it. That's all I have. I'm going yeah. through really quick. Oh, okay. All right. We're going. That's right. All right. You were like, it's a really, really well. We'll get there. Yeah, because you you know, like you know, because it's like, what's going on right now, man? What's what's? It's up? on my list. It's on my list. Oh Jesus! <laughs> well, you didn't fucking say that, God. I didn't well, know I mean, that. Now, I'm like, now I'm like, Deep water I, uh, is on your top ten of 2022. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's actually kind of high. Okay, okay, we're getting <laughs> off the rails here, really. Quick. I think this is fantastic. Narrative number two: 
Short one. Top Gun Maverick is a hit, and it's really good. That's yeah. all I have. Hell Episode yeah. 61, we broke it all down. God damn, I thought you like couldn't think of a fucking sentence to say. I'm like, what is going on here, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I, makes I, sense I mean, now. It, I didn't it, get it. Oh, so <laughs> when you said we'll get there, uh, okay. And I got ahead of myself. I shouldn't have said that. Deep Water makes Nick Dostal's top 10 of 2022. That's the fucking headline right there. <laughs> <laughs> movie related narrative i love it I'm, I'm, I'm we're fucking running now movie related narrative number three barbarian brings horror back i mean not like really but it was a hit and i loved it and you're in the middle of watching it right now episode 76 nc 17 rated films the back half of that episode is dedicated to the best horror films i saw in 2022 and this was certainly one of my favorite blonde is released to mass hysteria <laughs> episode 73 we dedicated a whole episode to this very difficult very misunderstood film you know it's been nice to see out of day armas pop up like she got the golden globe nomination a sag nomination don't know about the oscars but any you know we haven't talked about blonde in a couple months has it has like it died down or is it still as hated as it was i think it still is i think it still is i just think people just don't want to even talk about it yeah i think they're i think they've just written it they're like that was awful let's never talk about it ever again i feel like that's the consensus another movie related narrative we talked about it a lot again on episode 73 the blonde pod the don't worry darling drama i cannot remember the time that on set antics spilled out uh you know just a year later right before the film is released really bizarre to watch uh also reviewed the movie at the end of episode 73 what a treat what a treat i i mean you i'm mentioning it here not to be a jerk but like the the drama behind that was like more entertaining than a lot of movies i saw in 2022 i'm serious dude when was the last time that there was this much drama based around a movie i can't remember not like a movie set i mean people occasionally lose their minds i.e blonde like online but yes there's no bad sets from there's no bad stories from the blonde set this was like just a train wreck over and over. I mean, that the month of September was just, have you heard about what happened now with exactly. this movie? You didn't even see the movie. Like, and, <laughs> and you, and yeah, you didn't still, even like, see the movie. so much about it. Yeah, exactly. It, and it even got down to the point where it's like, did Harry Styles spit at Chris Pine? That was a thing for like show. a week and a half. Was, like, that's what people I were still, talking about. Still don't know. I, I look back at that footage. I go, he did something. I, I don't know in what the context is, and I love when their publicists both came out and were like, no, that's ridiculous. Harry Styles did not spit at Chris Pine. But then none of them said what he did. I Exactly. And I watched some, <laughs> some you know, maniac on Reddit slowed it down to like 0.1 speed. So it was like, I yeah. mean, it was literally slower than a play-by-play. I'm so, so slow. The best thing that I, to give them both credit, the best thing that I could think yeah. of is that genuinely a piece of like small gum slipped out of Harry's mouth as he said Chris Pine probably thought like it was intentional like what the fuck dude I don't think Harry Styles had any idea that it had actually happened and I think or maybe it was a mint and something just slipped out so when Pine is like looking at his lap like okay and Styles is not reacting to it I don't think he knew it he did anything and then I bet after or during the movie Pine leaned over and he's like fucking spit your gum at me dick or or, you know or something like that or I don't know that's a charitable read on it but it was weird. And then, yes, to your point, no one said what really happened. Like, why not clarify really it for us? Why not? Like, like, you can't leave us in the dark with this. This is stuff that I need to know. Very important. <laughs> the, the masses need to know. 
I like to think that they're like really good friends and, and developed like a like a like a like a bromance on sure, set. Sure. And then when they were at this thing, they're like, listen, man, you're not gonna know when, you're not gonna know where, but I'm gonna spit my gum at I'm you. I'm gonna fuck with you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a very charitable read. Right, yeah. And right. then cause you can cause if you read it like that, when when Chris Pine like looks at it, he's just sort of like Ah, son of a bitch, he got. He does. He looks like it. Looks like the end of a I gotcha. Like it's something that's yeah. been brewing up. We're talking way too much about this. Let's move on. Do yeah, we are. We are. We are. This fine. To our right, next narrative. Um, Avatar Two is worth the wait and the price of admission. Spent all of episode eighty three talking about it. I mean, that was a big deal. People are still talking about this. Still like selling out theaters. Go big, Jim. Go go. Yep. Where is it going to go it. in the all time list? I think right now it's seven. It's crazy. And dude has three movies. In the top 10 films of all time in terms of box office, Avatar, Titanic, and Avatar The Way Water. All hail Big Jim. Jimmy C. This one made- Hey, what's this? Talk to me about this. So you don't know about Two Leslie. No. Okay, Two Leslie comes out of nowhere. This is a huge narrative, and because you don't know about it, it gives me an opportunity to discuss it. The weekend of January 13th, 2023, Twitter started losing its mind about Andrea Riseborough being left out of the Oscar conversation for her performance in a tiny new indie film called Two Leslie. Stars, A-listers, were pissed about this apparently. Edward Norton, Gwyneth Paltrow. There are so many stars over this weekend who were very clearly copy and pasting the exact same tweet praising this performance. It was clearly an agent manager PR coordinated stunt, but it became a huge thing for two days and it motivated me to watch the movie. I rented it last Sunday, watched it. Will she get a nom? I don't know. It's it's an alcoholism movie, you know, like really down on her luck. Co-stars Mark Marin. While this was like really crazy and if she ends up getting a nomination for this, it'll be like wild. I, I heard the box office take for this so far was like $60,000. This is small, small, small. Why so many A-listers are getting behind it? I, I don't know. It was just really fun to watch. But I am the most curious about what this year's Oscars are going to be like than any year. There'll be some like cool narratives. We'll, we'll see. But speaking of. Yes, my final narrative that we're going to bring up. Austin Butler's fake voice. What is going on? Austin Butler accepting awards and walking around town, still talking like Elvis. He, his voice sounds exactly like it does in the movie. And I know you're going to respond and I will give you a chance to respond. I'll yield the rest of my time once I'm done making my point. Because we can all admit he didn't talk like this before. He had a somewhat Southern draw in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Go look at press videos for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He talks like a kid from Anaheim, which is where he's from. His story is that it was isolation and I had to lock myself down and master this voice for two years. And because I did that and then went and filmed the movie, I have now remuscled my vocal cords. So this is how I permanently talk now. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because... I've been saying for months that he is the front runner to win the Best Actor Oscar for the first time. After It was because of his Golden Globe speech when Twitter just eviscerated him online. The narrative has not stopped. He is being openly mocked by everyone. His ex-girlfriend of several years <laughs> went on Instagram and mocked him. And her name is <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. 
It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. All right, all right. My re- I'm having a little fun. I'm not really this worked up about it. I'm just having a little fun. I, now, to, 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 to the degree of this voice change is where I find there to be like the, the, the gray area because I can empathize with changing your voice for that long of a time to where there may be some permanent effects. Now, the degree of which he's going with it is where I question the, the PR aspect of this. But I don't think it's ridiculous to believe that he is leaning into something like this for this whole entire thing. I'm not defending and I'm not embracing. I'm just looking at it for what it is and being like, eh. Yeah, you're not riled up like I am about it. I, I get it, yeah. which is fine. I mean, no one needs to be as riled up as I am. I just think it's hilarious. and I, I do think it's funny. I've, I've been a movie fan for my entire life. I've been watching the Oscars and studying them to a ridiculous, unnecessary degree for decades. I ain't never seen a thing like this in my life. I swear to God, if this movie's on your top 10, I'll shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, pro actors, veteran actors are looking at this and laughing at him. There's validity to everything you're saying. Actors are crazy. Basically, I think that sums up everything I really need to say about this. All right, that's fair. That's I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah, like they're 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 crazy people, and and to whatever degree of truth or persona or um you know intentional PR method is going on here, it all boils down to the fact that actors are crazy. <laughs> I wish him all the best. I think he's a very talented actor. I loved him in Once Upon oh, yeah. a Time in Hollywood. Like you and I knew his name. We didn't learn his name from Elvis, and I know a lot of people didn't. But like I've liked this guy for a while. I'm not hating on him. I just, I, I wanted to be a little aware of what he's doing because this is going to follow him around forever. No, the kid's got the stuff. Yeah. And, and I'll be damned if any man can pull off a V-neck better than him. Like he, <laughs> he, he pulls down it. those deep Vs and, 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 and it, it's, 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 it's a vibe as they say. Oh, Timmy, Timmy does. Timmy Chalamet. Oh, well, he just Timmy, doesn't wear Timmy's shirts. On another t- <laughs> yeah. Timmy just doesn't wear shirts. And, and, you know, I mean, and he can do whatever he wants. He's a, he's a, he's an icon. <laughs> All right, we're going to get to our top 10 here, but I have a surprise for you. Before we each get to our top 10 of 2022, I don't know if this is spoiled for you, but we did have a write-in. I am going to make it a thing where anytime we have a guest on the show, I'm going to allow them at the end of the year to email or send us a voice memo or even come on the show and tell us their top 10 or top five favorite films of the year. We had one unofficial guest. Don't do it. In 2022, Dan Bracey on the Babylon podcast. So he wrote in, and I am allowing him to list his top five films of the year. And move on to this asshole's picks. This is unbelievable. This is Dan Bracey's email to me. Hello, sir. This is for you to read. So I'm not sure if you know this. Not many people do, but my memory sucks (laughs) like really bad. So I'm going to do my best to recall five movies I've seen this year. And And then there's just some not. Nice words about you. Just, well, a few paragraphs, really. Oh, it just keeps going. Okay, number five, <laughs> Ambulance. Just a uh, wild ride in and of itself. This movie might have made my top five simply because it was the first movie I saw in 2022 with my dad, and it exceeded both of our expectations. Two hours in an ambulance? There's no way this works. Well, Michael Bay fucking made it work. Uh-huh. Number four, I wanted to say Bullet Train or The Banshees of Inisherin. 
But when I wrote this, I wasn't feeling it. I wanted to like Banshee so much more than I did. And everything I said for Ambulance, I literally could have copy and pasted for Bullet Train. Except one takes place on a train and the other an ambulance. Uh-huh. So my number four is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It's adorable. It's short. It's to the point. I needed it in my life when I saw it. I left the theater in a fantastic mood. Simple as that. Look at Dan. Number three, All Quiet on the Western Front. Simply captivated by the cinematography. It's amazing what drones can do now. That very first scene when the movie score scoops you up and tells you the viewer, this is some heavy shit. You're fucked. Get ready. We won't be kind to you. And it is not. It's relentless right up until the last frame. But it's beautiful. Number two, weird. The Weird Al Yankovic story. (laughs) Comedy is by bread and butter, peanut butter and jelly. This movie is a trip. Just pure, Mm over-the-top, hilarious insanity. What you'd expect from Mr. Weird Al Yankovic. And Radcliffe dominates the role. And he's cut from marble. The man is jacked. (laughs) One of the best comedies I've seen in a long time. Number one, Babylon. Ah. The only movie from 2022 I have seen twice in theaters. The first 45 minutes now three times because of a failed first viewing. This movie has everything. The score, the camera styles and tricks. I loved it all. It takes risks. It isn't safe. And I love it for that. The acting by everyone is superb and will probably go unnoticed come Oscar nomination time. But that's okay. They're acting just for me. It doesn't feel like three hours. The thing flies. It just resonated with me. And I guess that's all that really matters with a movie when it comes down to it. This is my favorite movie of the year. I just wish Glenn Powell was in it. Go fuck yourself. That's how he ended the email. (laughs) No, it's a good list. It's a good list. And I feel like from this point on, every time that... We, he is referenced. I'm only going to just let out audible noises to express my sentiment. Fair. And and I I really like that list. Yeah. I, really, I like that list, and I and I really like a lot of what he said. I like that he took it seriously. A rare thing from him. Okay, so let's move on. Top ten of 2022. You're going to go first. Hit was hit us with number ten. We already know one of yours. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that was so well played. I'm going to start this list with a movie that I hate with all of my heart hate i never want to watch this oh, yes i, hate I know this where we're movie. going i know where we're going i hate this movie <laughs> with every fiber in my being i never want to see this again it was the hardest movie i've ever had to sit through i am still fucked up from it i don't want to talk about it and that is the truly truly well done impressive feat of filmmaking that is Gaspar Noe's Vortex. Yep, I knew where that was going right when you set it up. This movie is, I don't know where, I know this is on your list, so I don't want to, I feel like we're Perhaps. already talking about those. We can't, we have to, We have to. I'll, I'll hijack it for wherever it's at on yours. Kind of even going back to our Gaspar episode, everyone is going to take his movies in, every movie really, but particularly with his style, it, they're all going to hit you in different ways for whatever is your shit. And that and that's that's what's going to come up. For me this happened to be it. But it was undeniably one of the most unique, original and well-done pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. The biggest component to this movie is that for the most part it's all split screen. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole entire idea of like, "Oh my god, how is this going to work? Is this going to work?" Mm-hmm. Not only does it work, you couldn't tell the story any other way or you could, yeah. but it wouldn't be 
as impactful as it is. And 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 the, the, like and it's every scene is a little different for those reasons, but there's one in particular that just depicts in a very very simple fashion life and death, and it was one of the most effective things I've ever seen on film. And that's just the truth. It, it's this is the power of film. This is what it yeah. can do. Yeah. And when you're really starting to play and experiment with certain things, you're like, oh wow, it doesn't just need to be this shot. It can mm-hmm. be this shot and this shot, but then what this shot ends up doing in contrast, or my favorite word, juxtapose, what it juxtaposes with the other and what that means in the realm of our existence. And it's this movie fucking nails that shit. Yeah. So, yes, I will never watch this movie again, but I appreciate it. And that um, opening scene, well, not opening scene, but that black and white song. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> It's beautiful. It was just one of the most beautiful things ever. It doesn't set the tone. It just you need to appreciate like, hey, you're you're getting into a, a world of hurt here. So here's a little bit of love before we do that. I mean, yeah, Gaspar in a way is a very specific type of filmmaker. One of my favorite podcasts we've done was we actually did two because we did his whole career up up into Vortex and then we did a Lux Eterna Vortex episode. But I did think Vortex is by far his most mature film, his most adult yes. film. And the fact that he decided to film the whole thing in in split screen, well, one, it is just oh so Gaspar. And yeah, you do think it's going to be distracting. Even when it starts, you're like, oh shit, I got to do yeah. two hours of this. But it's not because after a it's few not. moments, it, when you embrace it, you just fall into two concurrent worlds. Sometimes those worlds are engaging with each other in the exact same room. Sometimes yep. they are most terrifyingly split apart by just a couple blocks. And you know, it's a massively experimental film, but made by an unapologetic master. And I, I will see, I will be there opening weekend for anything this man makes. I just wish yes. he made more movies. But Vortex is certainly not the most rewatchable movie of the year, as you've indicated. But I will always cherish it. And wow, I had an amazing cry in the car after I saw this. Oh, just my great, God. Great. Had a good cry. Liked it a lot. I saw. I saw it with a with a dear friend, and um, and we were both supremely fucked up afterwards. And we needed to go out into the. I think I said this on the pod. Yeah, um, we yeah. needed. We needed to go out. We had to. We 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 had to shake this. It's that good, and it's worth having people see it. Here, here. My number ten already been mentioned. All quiet on the Western Front, directed by <sighs> Edward Berger. I did talk about this a little bit on episode 79 because I said I was pissed that more people weren't talking about this. I was lucky enough to see it in the theater and I put it on a few days ago to see if it was going to hold up at home. I mean, I literally like I had a few circling my 10th spot. And then, I mean, as Dan said, like four minutes into this, I was like, Jesus Christ, this thing is so visceral, no matter where you are in a theater would have been preferred, but it's on Netflix for free. So, yes. Two hours and five minutes, but you can watch it with the English dub on if you want. And, you know, these battle scenes echo Saving Private Ryan. It's it's an unflinching World War One movie made with modern technique. So, I mean, you watch something like this and you're like, where does the war film go from here? Like how much more brutal is are we going to be even like allowed to see on screen? So it's a it's a grueling film, but. It's just really, really damn good. And if war movies like are your thing, if you like them, then hopefully the selling point of you can watch it in English dub will help some people because two and a half hour German movies, some people just, you know, they're like not a chance. But that's the only reason why I mentioned it. I, I wouldn't prefer that people watch dub stuff, but I don't care if it gets you to watch it, watch it. But this, I mean, it's a great war film. Truly. 
I think this might be one of the movies that does better when it as it approaches the Oscars because it didn't get any notice notice when it came out. It right. was in theaters in LA for like two weeks, and it's same it's here. Actually, yeah. getting played again though. It's it's popping up. That's what I'm saying. I so think it's, I think you're right, and I think it's going to creep yeah. up and get in. I think we might see a, a, the, you know, they usually like to nominate at least one foreign movie for picture. And keep in mind, they usually nominate a foreign director. Yeah. That's ha- remember uh, another round, Cold, Cold War? War. Like it, it happens, and people are often like, what the hell? Where'd that come from? This could because be. Because the director's branch are full of non Americans. And, the, you know, the directors nominate directors. So we could see burger get in there maybe for director maybe you know so i yeah i think you're right i think it crushed the baftas it got like 15 nominations it's insane so they really embraced it it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this pops up but i could uh i think we're gonna see a lot of noms for this honestly it's gonna get a bunch of technical nominations it won't win any that's okay yeah it's it's up against too much i think so too i think this has got some legs number nine from you this is a movie that uh I, I, I'm sure I would have seen it at some point, but it was because of your enthusiasm that made me see it. And that is a little indie that is on Netflix that, again, no one's really watching. Emily the Criminal. Yes, this is my number yes. eight. I'll just spoil it now. I love Ugh. it. I didn't even know you watched this, dude. I love this movie. I watch, I've been, every movie on my list, I, if it's available, I've watched in the past week. Just to re-familiarize myself, watched this last night, and I was like, yep, it absolutely deserves to be on the list. I yes. love it. I love it. it. It's, it's just a, I mean, you, you, you phrased it as like a throwback to a 1970s heist movie, but also a little bit of Cassavetes in there, and mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. what this is. It, it very much feels like that. Aubrey Plaza, my God. God, I love her. She is just, I think sky's the limit for her in terms of her range and talent. Yeah, she's revealed a completely different side yes. of her acting capability. This is, to me, easily her best role. And I just, I was having so much fun watch her play this Jersey girl with a chip on her shoulder last night, just like kicking ass in seedy parts of LA. <laughs> I mean, she, I mean, she is, she, she carries the weight of this movie. Mm-hmm. Every, I mean, Theo Rossi is great and all the supporting actors are all fantastic. And the, the movement, the tightness of the movie, everything, everything's accounted for in, in terms of the way it presents its story. Yeah. There is nothing that this movie doesn't kind of track and there's no fat at all. No fat at all. Yeah. And it moves. It's very well executed, but it's her. She's the one whose emotional arc we're carrying and we feel every step of the way. We know exactly what she's feeling at, at all times. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is just really incredible to watch. Yeah, I love watching her being able to hold her own. She gets herself into some very dangerous situations and she just fights. She's she's yep. a fighter. And I really love that. I also love that the movie, you know, she's able, Emily to fall very quickly and organically into this dark world of credit card fraud. And it's so believable, the film, in terms of process. Like, they really make you understand how this type of fraud works. And then Plaza and co-star Theo Rossi, who I understand you have a relationship with because of Sons of Anarchy. I've never seen that show, so I don't really know this guy that well. And I just, I mean, he was so impressive. When you told me he's one of the stars that I was like, oh yeah, he... He's an actor like he was doing a lot with his face and like kind of looks and shifty looks like very good. I mean, they're just so in it from the jump. 
it's a two million dollar movie and all of that is on screen it's it's, I, I don't want to like oversell and say it's like some game changer, but yeah, I definitely get like on the ground crime thriller Cassavetti yes. vibes from this. That's it's just a really well made on the ground thriller. Here's another selling point. Everyone, including yourself, every single person I've recommended this to has enjoyed it. Yes. All ages, doesn't matter. No one's like favorite of the year, loved the yeah. A plus masterpiece. Yeah. That's not how we're selling it. It's just like, a really tight, good movie. Hour yeah. forty-five. You're in, in with a great ending. Oh, it's a ugh. really good ending. It reminds me of. Yeah, I think I I brought this up to you. Like you know, if you if you're going back to like the two thousands, and you know, there were always like the big movies that were going to be the nominated ones, and then yes, those like focus features before focus became the Academy Award winner like movies. Right. They were always these indies that just like would be peppered throughout the year. And you were like, man, this is the good shit. Like, this is like, even though it's never going to be an Academy Award winner, and it's not necessarily the best movie of the year, but you're like, but this is like the best, these are the best movies being made today. That's how this feels. Yeah, I mean, this is what Matt Damon's talking about on in that Hot yes. Wings clip. When, yes. he, like, this movie doesn't really exist anymore. And occasionally, you know, I'm sure John Patton Ford had to scrape and hustle for, with that $2 million. But we just... We don't really see two million dollar movies are made. I don't. We just don't have a chance to like see many of them because they're not getting distributed a lot. Yeah. I didn't see this in the theater. I don't even know if this came out in a theater. Near I don't me. know if it did. A few months ago, I was looking up what are some really high rated movies that I just haven't gotten to, and I had heard of this one, so I had to rent it on YouTube for like six bucks before it was on Netflix and loved it. And then when it was on Netflix, I I started going crazy, texting people like, "You don't have an excuse. It's free. Watch it. Watch it." Yeah. So glad this made your list. So you're number nine. Um, I doubt we have much crossover with Anthony Jeselnik, the comedian. I, I'm bringing this up for a reason, I promise. He's one of my favorite comedians. He has a podcast. Ever since he saw a movie in November, he has been using the title as a way to equate it to like awesome. So if something is awesome, it's blank. The title okay, of this movie. Okay. So for months, and you know, he's a comedian, so it's kind of a bit. He really liked the movie. But if he's like... Uh, so if you tell me, so tell me your number, uh, your number nine again, Emily, the criminal Nick, that's bones and all Oh, <laughs> it's bones oh. and all baby. It's bones and all. <laughs> oh my God. So again, it's, it's such a specific thing, but honestly, this movie by Luca Guadagnino, which I loved Suspiria was my number two of 2018. What does that say about me? I really, really enjoyed bones and all, but now that like one of my favorite comedians has this running gag about it. Just anytime someone says something that sounds good, he's like, that's bones and all, bones and all. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's so it's good. It's hilarious, especially considering like, you know, this is really, honestly, such an honest love story, but set in such extreme circumstances. Taylor Russell is a god. I love her. <laughs> Mark Rylance. Wow. Oof, Michael man. Stolbarg. Wow. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross with an incredible score. Great cinematography. It was shot on film. The cannibal storyline is a thing. We've talked about this in a yep. few episodes, <laughs> but I've never seen it expressed as we have discussed with the qualities of addiction. Really trippy movie. Really good movie. Completely uncompromising in vision. Loved it. 
and it's even more more than addiction. It's it's almost like it it's like they're afflicted. Like they're like they were born with this. Like this is yeah. A it's disease. almost it's like a disease. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like not. It's like a step up from addic- an addiction. Yeah. That's what we yeah. said on the podcast. That's right. That it's like a disease. Like it's just part of them. They cannot help it. Yeah. Oh. Like we got to figure out a way to live the rest of our lives with this. And I that's such a much more interesting way into something like that. And you know. I'm so fucking upset that this isn't in my top 10. Oh, it didn't make it. I wondered. I wondered. No. There's two that are bummers. Yeah, I have I have a few that I think will be on yours that just didn't make mine. But I mean, this one did barely sneak in there. But when I rewatched it, I was like, no. I mean, I I just remember being so impressed with how it looked, even though nothing oh. about it's flashy. It's yeah. just so like the the film stock was so grainy. And it, oh, it just looks so, so beautiful. Good movie. This is why I know it was a better movie year for me than the last two, because this is the first year in three years that I've struggled to make a top 10 because of what I had to exclude. Yes. The past two years, I've been fighting yeah. to include 10. Yeah, but that's so true. I think it's a good problem to have, but takes us to your number eight. Number eight for all the uh, what are you watchers out there, mm. what you can't see is that um and you and you said this earlier but you you wrote it in one of our narratives but I love the way you actually wrote it on our outline as you said this movie is released and mass mental breakdowns occur <laughs> 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 and, and I think the I think just the phrasing of that sentence is perfect and that movie I'm referring to is none other than Andrew Dominic's Blonde Nice. I'm glad it made your list. I'm very glad actually. It was absolutely always going to make my top 10. I knew when I was watching it because like, I mean, again, this is such a specific movie to people like you and me. This is as high art as you can get with movie making. Like, this is yeah. abstract as it comes, but taking a a real a person and a biopic genre type thing. Like, it. I mean, now that I think about it, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> like, like you. you like the the you, the way you want to go about making a movie like this is not going to be received well and it just wasn't and it's a shame because this movie has so much to offer on an artistic level that I think people just didn't want to see or did just didn't see. Yeah, this is my number 6. Okay. Andrew Dominic. Yeah, I mean we on episode 73, I in particular was on one and came to the very passionate defense of this movie. Mostly by saying that it's rated NC-17 and there has never been an easy NC-17 film. I'm not saying that this is the only version of Marilyn Monroe's life, but I am saying that it is a version. Like, I do firmly believe that everything depicted in this film more or less happened. I don't know, I don't know if she was abused by famous producers and an acting president in exactly that same manner, but I'm convinced that she was, by all accounts, she was. The more I dig into her life, the more accurate this movie feels, which which sounds terrible to say, but, you know, clearly Dominic and author Joyce Carol Oates just, it, they made a version that people were not ready for and maybe they never will be. You know, this this is a very impressionistic take on a tragic life. So be it. Um, Ana de Armas, I mean, just forget the haters. I thought this was completely fearless work, totally uncompromising, totally gave herself to the material. One of the best performances I've ever seen, let alone in the past few years. Love that Colin Farrell spent the first 30 seconds of his Golden Globe speech praising her performance. Damn right. And I mean, you people arguing with me 
about her accent in this movie, some of you are the same people that are okay with Austin Butler accepting awards sounding like a jackass. My number eight was Emily the Criminal, which we already said. So we're going to move on Hang to on. your number seven. Oh, you, you would you no, like, no. oh, allow you to retort? I actually think that is a brilliant, brilliant analogy you just made to the way really? that- Oh, I thought you were yeah. going to give me shit. No. Yes. No, no, because I don't you. know what Austin Butler's doing. I don't know. I can't speculate. I don't, like, whatever's going on there, that, 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 we don't, we just don't know. You're right. We what, don't, we know. And people have their opinions on Ana de Armas's accent in that movie, whether they like it or but it doesn't matter. But the analogy that you made that the, that you're basically doing the exact same thing. Yeah is actually like right on the nose brilliant like that like that that argument is that 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 stops anyone in their tracks that's great just trying to make a point that's all put some respect on Ana de Armas my number eight was Emily the criminal which I said so we're gonna go to your number seven so talking about Ana de Armas we talked about this earlier it's showing (laughs) up right here baby this is where it is. The number seven spot. Oh my Deep god. Water, number seven. Deep Holy shit. Water. I love this movie. This was You gotta tell me when I knew you liked it and loved it. I didn't know you responded to it like this. I wanted to cover this and do my top ten erotic thrillers of all time. There's well time. that was the reason because I didn't know enough. <laughs> no, mine. You're just you Oh, yours me. and I'm just like the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No one, no one, no one has seen. <laughs> No one has mastered the erotic thriller genre like, like me. You know, I mean, I know it sounds weird. It's not even anything weird. It's just like I love how bad some of them are. I love these movies. I watch them a lot. And this was a great throwback for it. So that that podcast is still on the table. Remember, that was a running bit that I was going to have to do that mini so by myself. That would be the last episode of What Are You Watching? Two, if anyone ever sees me do a solo erotic thrillers podcast or a solo shame commentary, then like call for help because like podcast is done. Something's happened. Something's crossed over. I don't care anymore. So yeah, (laughs) we got to watch it. But if you want to join me on those, then it's fine. (laughs) No, but seriously, I'm really glad you like this movie. I love just the absurd nature of it. I just, I loved it. It's, it was fun to laugh at. It was, I mean, what what were they slugs? What, what was it? Oh oh, yeah. He, Uh, um, snails, 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 snails. Yeah. Yeah. He collected snails. Lots of snails. Lots of snails. snails. And he's like intimidating (laughs) all these people. He's like bringing them in there. He's like, you know, the thing about snails. You don't eat them. You'll die. Tracy kick. Forget about Tracy Letts. Like, where did he oh come from? Oh, my God. I love him. Like, oh. you, 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 yeah, there, you got to realize with this movie is, like, this is it, it is in the same arena as, like, one of those, like, Lifetime movies. Like I was just going to say, when Will yeah. Ferrell and Kristen Wiig intentionally yes. made that Lifetime movie, which I didn't watch, it apparently wasn't that good, but, like, they, they were clearly doing an exercise. Everyone involved with Deep Water knew what they were doing. That's what I liked about it. And they did it well. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's the thing. Like, you, you watch this movie and you're not supposed to take it that seriously because the actors and everyone involved know what it is. They lean into it. And it is one of the most entertaining two hours you'll have of the whole year. And, you yeah. know, it's compelling, too. Like, it, you're actually mm-hmm. like, I'm doing the thing that I make fun of people for doing. Like, oh, my God. Are they going to find out what happened? Or like, right, you know, right. I'm on the ride for it. Huge. And I honestly think this is one of my favorite Ben Affleck performances. I thought he was great. 
just like smug and smart. Like I really liked him. Yes, loved like him it, it. he's very <laughs> subtle, but he, he, the the air of mystery that needs to happen around him. Yeah, like yeah. I don't want to say too much about the movie, but like the whole like you know it, it's kind of got a bit of Gone Girl vibes in it in terms of yeah yeah is he like he plays that part very very well. And, and this is a way more leaning into like I'm having fun with this. Anda Armas is fantastic in it. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I, I mean, yeah, like this is just a really, really fun movie for exactly everything we're talking about, and it's that good that it made my list. Number seven. Number seven for me. Simply put, don't have a lot of thoughts. It was the most entertaining film of the year. Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph <gasps> Kaczynski. Just loved it. Thought it was great. What? Number seven. Yeah, why? Oh, okay. All right. Well, you have it higher? Gotta do, we got a difference. Uh, we, uh, yeah, hugely popular movie. I just So you sound like you want to reserve. That's interesting. So it sounds like it's going to be up there for you. I mean, we did a whole episode about it, and it was just, uh, I saw this in the theater three times, and I've watched it since it's been released on streaming. It's immensely entertaining. What else can you say? Should we should we say my part of it now, or, or should I save it? or No, we'll, 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 we'll come back to it. We'll come, right, we'll come it. back to it. We'll come back to it. All right. Okay. I like this. I like this. And give me your number six. Ah, number six. This is, this is, I'm excited about this one. Triangle of Sadness. Yes. Nice. Nice. I'm so glad you watched this. Oh my God. Another one I really wanted to do like a mini-sode or a whole episode about, but uh, I love this movie. It it took me a while to get around to it. You had been praising it since it came out and you were like, Nick, you got to see this. You got to see this. You got to see this. And you definitely know my taste very well. You know what I'll really like and what like what's not necessarily like I don't need to go and rush and tell Nick to go see this. Yeah. The movie is basically three different movies. Each one offers something very unique and very special. And when I was done with it, I remember when we got to the third act of that movie. Uh-huh. I as an audience member watching it, I, I saw what we were about to get into and everything in me didn't want to do it. Yes, yeah, so I was very skeptical. I went, yeah, dude, we've done this before. Like, uh, do you really have something new to say? And to me, he did. Holy shit. And yes, it does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like about like five to ten minutes into what the third act does, I left my reservations at the door and I saw what it was doing. And I go, this is fantastic. And not only each one of these acts you want to say it's reflective of the way we are as a society in all three of them. Mm-hmm. And the way it harkens back to the message of the first act, which is actually my favorite act of the movie, is just fucking great. Like, it's a really, really well done movie that has something to say. It speaks to us as a society in this time. And man, is it absurd. But it really it, it is very, very it's an original, original voice right here. Yeah, I mean, Ruben Oslin, he's won the Palm, Con Palm Noir twice in a row, which is a very, very rare thing. I did talk about Triangle of Sadness on a previous episode. This is the funniest film I've seen in years. I had to take my glasses off while watching it because I couldn't see anything. I could not catch my breath. I almost had to leave. There were about 40 of us in that theater, 10 of us. We're on that same path with it. And everyone yeah. else is looking at us like we were hysterical. Yep. And I just couldn't help myself. Like I was I was just dying laughing. This is going to be released on Criterion. I can't wait. I wish it had more special features, but oh well. But yeah, really yeah. happy you watched this one, checked it out. Love the soundtrack. Love the end. 
So we're going to move to my number six, which was Blonde. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which I'm so, uh, really happy that was on yours. But I already spoiled that that was my number six. So now we go to your wide open number five. All right, baby. Top five. Here it comes. Here it comes. I just saw it within this last week. And that is Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Nice. Very nice. I'm going to tell you now, this was the one that circled the edge for me. Didn't make it. Didn't make I, it. I mean, it, was, it was tough to let go of this one. Like, tough. But I was re-watching everything. I saw this twice in the theater and just went, yeah, I mean, it's just, if, if we were rating it based on performances, if that's what we yes. were making our list, this would probably be my number one or two. But that, I just don't, I don't want to take anything away from it all. But yeah, uh, I had a... Because I, I recommended this as my What Are You Watching recommendation a few episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. You did. And, and you definitely undersold it to me because I think you might have known that I, 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 would, I, would, I would take this movie a certain way. I can't remember the last time I was moved this much by a dr- dramatic story. Mm-hmm. This was profoundly moving. Like you said that when you're in your synopsis of it. And that's exactly what it is. It's devastating. Brendan Fraser, this is one of the best acting performances I've seen in years. It, uh, I know, you know, if we're talking about the Oscars, you know what, we'll save that conversation. Yeah, we'll save it for the Oscars pod, which will be coming very, very soon because we're yeah. recording this on Saturday and they're just a few days away. So our audience is going to get two back-to-back 2022 related episodes. The acting in this movie, particularly on Brendan Fraser, is just, I mean, this man is literally tearing open his heart and just pouring it all out. And you feel that. Mm-hmm. You feel every little bit of the layer of this character. You get to know this guy on such a level, and it's truly beautiful. It's truly heartbreaking. There's certain aspects of the film itself that don't quite land. I think the the the, the biggest takeaways are the performances. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I didn't care. I, I the the movie yeah. got me. It it got me in such a way. I also think that knowing that this was an adaptation from a play, mm-hmm. this is one of the better adaptations I've ever seen from uh, play to screen. This movie does not feel, it's about a little under two hours. We're in the same apartment. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah, I, I can't say enough. I When the movie was over, I was just laying back in my seat, just moving. I just sat up like, oh, fuck you, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, and my... In my rec, I said it's definitely an Aronofsky film, but I, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Mother, but it definitely has his no, yeah, just his sentiment all over. Yeah, it. from and, the and very, think, from how it begins to how it ends, you're like, yep, I know a movie, I know what director I'm watching right now. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this is actually, um, in some ways, this is his. This movie has the most levity of any of his work. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Potentially, yeah. Like there, there's a level of love and hope that exists in this movie that I, I think he very much steers away from in the rest of his movies. No, for sure. Like he was, uh, Brendan. You want a a little pro tip that I've learned from this Oscar campaign? It is definitively Fraser, Brendan Fraser. That's how it's pronounced, according to him. I don't. I didn't know that. No, no. I've, I've always, always screwed that up. I've always, yeah. I've always I, pronounced yeah. it like Joe Fraser, which had a Z, and it's it's not. It's Fraser. But anyway, yeah. not that that matters. My apologies to Brendan Fraser because I love that man. I always. Have. It should matter if his name is read on Oscar night, which God, I hope it is. That'd be great. But um, yeah, hundred percent. He's, he's he incredible. Is my favorite. 
Yeah, Hong Chao is just she's mm. she had a good year. Mm. She was in the menu. I've liked her since Treme. She had a role in the HBO show Treme that I really loved her in. She was in Downsizing, the Alexander Payne movie. I mean, I've always liked her, and this was the best work I've seen from her yet. Just, but w- what I was going to say before I corrected the name thing. I, that's one of his most Aronofsky's most optimistic characters and just positive yeah. characters. He was a. Re- I did not expect that. I expected him to be just like this mean, like uh, pissed at life because of look what's happened to me and yeah. uh, all this shame in it. But it wasn't like that. It was just it's a movie about a guy, a man trying to reconnect with his daughter. Similar, you know, a theme not unknown to Aronofsky with the wrestler yeah. things like that. But yep. I, I saw pockets of his work in this, and I like that. But then I also. I think I ended my little what are you watching recommendation saying that we had done an episode that w- that would fit into the conversation. That was our favorite movies based on plays. Because, yes. you know, that's that's always a tricky thing. Is it going to feel always too stagey or is it because I, I don't mind a little bit of somewhat play staginess. And he chose his angles to kind of set it up like yes. one of those black box theaters. And I got what he was doing. But then with the help of the great DP, Maddie Libatique, he would just move and it would go around. And I was like, man, this is really cool. And the it's sound really cool. was so cool. I mean, it was yep. so good what he would do with music and sound. Yeah. And it's very cool to see Aronofsky contained like this. Because yeah. like his yeah. movies uh, always, even The Wrestler, it, it's got a scope to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something. It's certainly nothing like The Fountain or um, Requiem for Dream where there's like a lot of very crazy stuff going on, dreamlike, abstract um, imagery and cuts and things like that. This is this is his most contained, his most restrained, and I I, I think he works. I think it works very, very well. Yeah, because Mother was contained into one place, but that movie's fucking nuts. But so then it goes not, off. Not it, restrained. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was great. The Whale, number five from you. Number five for me. Uh I made a promise to myself to put this film in my top five of the year, which meant that if it was close to being knocked out of the top five, I had to go and rewatch it, which I have a few times. So here is Petit Malma. Yes. Celine Sciamma. If you like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you have to see Petit Malma. This hit festivals in 2021. I don't care. It was made available to us in 2022. So I'm counting it here. Simple, profound, 72 minutes, made for $2 million, set largely in one location with five actors. You actually saw this first and recommended it to me. It was your What Are You Watching recommendation in episode 60. That's right. Yep. So then I went and saw it, and it had a really big emotional impact on me. I mean, you know, I, I will be sparse, but the movie is about... A young girl trying to connect with her mother through the help of another young girl. That's it. It's it's easy. It's sweet. It's rated PG. I watch this. I've actually it's on Hulu. So it's just I just like putting it on. It's 72 minutes like it's easy. And the the final scene, the final word of this movie. uh, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was I sat through the credits just weeping. I thought it was so simple and so beautiful and yeah again if you i know a lot of people like portrait of a lady on fire it made the sight and sound poll that's pretty crazy i mean i you just you gotta go check out petite mama it's on hulu it's so easy it's so beautiful so simple i loved it so we're talking about it i'm just gonna we'll we'll, we'll keep this conversation going this is my number three 
Oh, love it. I knew it would yep. be on your list. I just didn't know yep. where. Oh, that's so good. Yep. This is, uh, and, and I think, you know, yeah, because I love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And what I love about this movie is, and I think if you're going to go watch this, like, it is only 72 minutes. It is very, very slow. But I mean that in like a beautiful way. Like you do kind of got to give yourself the attention to it because the payoff that it's going to give you is in its simplicity and its um, very, very intentionally paced movement. The, the way this movie like hits you is unlike so, like I, I don't know how you achieve that. Like because I, I don't want to say because you have to see the movie yeah, to know it, what we're talking about. It's just not an American sentiment because like it's you gotta not. be paying attention. The whole time I was watching this, the main thing I had in my head is okay, it's only seventy two minutes because I didn't. I'm like, what they're talking about in the scenes they're showing. It's not difficult to understand. I just don't have any idea where we're going. Is this just gonna be yeah seventy two minutes of two little girls meeting and becoming friends? Like, uh, uh, okay, I, I guess. And I didn't know where it was going until the final sixty seconds, yep. and then she just ends it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like a before sunset. And like, could it keep going? Yes, I would love if it kept yeah. going. But it's perfect where it cuts. It's a it's perfect, perfect cutout. Oh. And it's definitely like an artist using the medium of film to express. Like, I really felt like this was her love letter to her mom. Had to like, be. It, Had it to very be. much felt like that. And, and, it, and it, so it was personal, but it wasn't indulgent. My number three, your number five. Loved it. Give us your number four. We talked about it earlier. My Top Gun, baby. Top Gun. Oh, there ever. you go. Okay, number good. Four. So it did. Broke in the top five. I like that. I like that. Yeah, four, seven. I don't know. You know, two, 220, 221. It's not that big of a deal. Like, there's, we're still all close. This is the reason we go to the movies. This movie <laughs> yes. has well every yes. single thing. That's what this I'm is, saying. This is it. This is why they're made. This is, like, I, I don't have anything else to say other than this is movie making at an entertainment level that's just top notch. What's interesting about it is that it's a war movie, but there there are no it doesn't care about its enemy. No. But, I mean it really is crafted like a mission war movie. It's just so damn fun. I loved it. I loved it. Very few movies get me to leap off of my chair. Oh yeah. And I This is your savior speaking. Oh my <laughs> god. I like I was like, yes! Oh, it was just so great. I wonder if they're going to go for a sequel. I have no idea why they wouldn't at this point if they do it the same way, the same style. I We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if they'll keep going. I just can't believe he pulled it off. Like, this is... Does anyone who doesn't have, like, a really close nostalgic connection to the first one, aside from that, everyone admits this is a better movie, right? Like, oh, this yeah. is just an... I mean, so we have another one that goes in the column of like a sequel that's better. Yeah. It's, it's kind of rare that we definitively get a bigger, a bigger, better sequel. And Top Gun is a massively popular movie. And this, I, I don't know. They did it. And Cruz, I've always loved the guy. So have you. The way he flexed as a producer on this by not releasing it and going, nope, it's not coming to streaming. Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm holding on to it. It just worked. Good for yeah. him. He's going to get yeah. nominated for an Oscar because he'll be nominated as a producer of the film. I don't think he'll get in there for actor, but I just love that. I don't know. Tommy will be up there in the Oscar conversation, no matter how. One day, one day, <laughs> one day he'll one get, day, he'll get it. So that was your number four. So yes. my, oh man. So your number three. I just, no, I, I got to do my number four. Oh, okay. Damn, I just put it together. Oh, 
I'm a little heartbroken, not of what I'm about to say. I'm heartbroken of what was left off your list, but that's okay. Because my number four is Babylon, a movie I love, movie you love, Asa yes. Vista, motherfucker. Type it. <laughs> Type it. I I never say stuff like this, but you know, uh, the critics I just with respect got this wrong. This has an insanely low Rotten Tomatoes score. That's absurd. This is a great film, completely outrageous on purpose, overwhelming set pieces that I can't wait to watch again. Would I absolutely buy this on 4K? You know, the movie's set in the 1920s and uh, people did not speak or act in the same manner as they do now. And we're in this kind of weird phase when a lot of people are completely unwilling to accept that people in the past spoke with uh, foul language. They were debaucherous. They were drug-addled fiends. This world existed. And Chazelle, I just thought he put that all on display beautifully. God, what a love letter to the art form cinema this was. It was yes. It was evident so clearly in the final breathtaking sequence of this movie, which was, to me, worth the price of admission. I mean, my jaw was just hanging open as we watched this final scene together. I, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Like, genuinely, I can't. I, I've <laughs> Since we saw this in the theater, almost every movie I've been to in the theater since, I just make it a point to sneak into the last 15 minutes of Babylon or so. I've done it like five times. No, it, you know, it's fine. I just stand there and sit down and watch it. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is just great. I love it. What a swing. And it worked. So this is, this is my number two. I know. God damn it. What? What's wrong? It's What's fine. wrong with this? My number two. No, I'm glad it's your number two. I'm glad. We'll get there. I'm glad. Oh, I'm very glad Babylon is your number two. I, I really am. I just thought something else would be on your list that isn't. And that's okay. Deep water. You, you set your deep water flag down. It's very way more important to you. In other movies, Wait, and that's okay. Is th- is there a movie that like I that's not on like that I'm like completely like forgetting like flipping like oh we'll get there. Oh man, okay. I can't all believe right, that's all right. all right. It's all right. I understand. No, because because this might this Just might let be down this... again. Let no, down, they're this, hanging around. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Seriously, tell because... me. No, no, no. Okay, I'm not. I'm not mad at all that Babylon is your number two. I'm actually ecstatic about that. I'm just being a, throwing a little hissy fit off of something that I think has been excluded. But that's okay. They are our but, list for a reason. No, because maybe. But I want to hear why be, you like Babylon. I mean, we did a whole episode about it, but. <laughs> we did a whole episode. Um, honestly, I'll just kind of like mirror everything you just said. I think it, it was it was the outrageousness, but it was also just like the execution of it. Like there, there's just so much going on in that movie that's just done so well. And, and I think the biggest thing that I'll say, and I said it on our episode, is that I think the biggest thing about this movie like the credit i would give is damien chazelle for oh, yeah having the absolute balls to make this and make mm-hmm. it his way and if he's even dealing with everything he's dealing with this i mean this thing just bombed completely nobody wants to see it and you know he still made the movie he wanted to make yeah and that is and it's good it's just so fucking good and um and margot robbie should absolutely be nominated i'm so glad it's ranked so highly on your list i really am and he went for it i do think this will have i think 20 years from now people are going to be remembering this in a different light than they do now i do not think that will be the case of blonde i don't know how if that reputation is going to have like 
a reappraisal. I do think Babylon will live on. And I think it's going to, there's a hive out there. People like, people are seeing this movie like it. And there's some unexpected people kind of seeing it, but it's just not a lot of people are going, you know, but the people who like it, we're really, really here for it, you know? All right. Moving on, because I can't shake this. This level of disappointment that something's been excluded is killing me because I'm wondering well, if there's something that I truly forgot and then no, I have not, to revise. I, okay, but we got Because okay. I, I only have my number one left. I know. Yeah, because you did your four, Top Gun Maverick, and then we already said your number three, Petite Mama. My number yep. three is Triangle of Sadness. I didn't know okay. to mention because you mentioned earlier that was your number six. Yep. But just a few, I mean- a hilariously lacerating takedown of like the 1% of the 1% told, as you said, in three distinct chapters, Woody Harrelson. I, I just thought was so hysterical in that second chapter. I want to, I wanted to highlight the cast a little bit. Harris yes. Dickinson, Charbly Dean, Zlato Burek, who's currently, who's currently in Copenhagen Cowboys on Netflix, directed by Nicholas Whiting Refinite. So much fun watching him pop up again. And then especially Dolly De Leon, who just totally deserves an Oscar nomination for coming out of nowhere and owning that third section. Um, and then, you know, just not to bring it down, but Charlie Dean uh, passed away very <sighs> shortly after this movie was released, after it had won the Palme d'Or. And it was a, a rare blood condition that is um, fucking terrible. Like, she's so good in this movie and so young. And I did not know that when I saw the movie and that made for uh, a completely like I thought I was being uh, messed with like Google search after. And I went, whoa, what? Huh? Twenty nine? Like what? Uh, brutal. But um, aside from all quiet on the Western front, I would love if this one snuck in as like the uh, outsider foreign nominee for director for picture. I don't know. I would love if it this did. is this is your number two is my number three. Oh, OK. Triangle of Sadness, my number three, and then we go to your number two, which is Babylon, my number yeah. two that I've been saving, Vortex. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You better believe it, Bubba. Uh, oh, in our Vortex God. pod, yeah, oh, oh, I mean, come on, who are you talking to here? In episode 60, our Lux Eterna slash Vortex pod, I said, I called my shot early, and I was like, this is going to be my favorite movie of the year, or at least I won't see a more emotionally impactful movie this year and i've made some small adjustments to that but yeah this is an insanely intensely real and therefore disturbing look at two people at the end of their lives one has dementia one is struggling to deal and yeah not a an easy movie but it, so now we go right to your number one wait what was your number two my number two was vortex thank you for paying attention and what's your number one you're going first you've been oh, going first God. the whole time Damn. All that's right, how all right. That's it. fine. That's fine. I because now I'm I'm like truly wondering what the hell your number one is. Here we go. Nick Dostal's oh, favorite yeah. film of 2022. What is all it? All right. Well, okay. All right. No. Okay. First, I'm gonna off, let you say your piece. You say your piece. No, no, no. I'm not gonna interrupt. I'm setting I'm not this up. Shit. I'm setting this up because because I, I don't want to hear say it from shit. you. To 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 all of you, what are what are you watchers? Or I still love my mad movie buffs. This has been an ongoing theme for the year between Alex and I that we have not brought up too much on the pod. So we this is the time to do it. It's because this is yeah, this has never happened and I didn't know how I've been trying to find how to speak about it. And I just told you yes. yesterday, I'm just gonna speak my truth at, in the parts no. of our times. So I'm gonna be as and, respectful as I can, but you know. No, no, say it that's the thing. This is this is this this is great fucking shit. Because 
this is the movie that I love a lot and Alex does not. And so I don't think there's ever come a movie that we have talked about on the pod that polarizes us because we pretty much live in the same arena when it comes to everything. For the movie to be our favorite of the year, for us to have such a complete, this is, I think this is amazing. But my favorite movie of the year is without a doubt, and it has been since I saw it, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I have now seen this movie twice because I needed to confirm it Mm -hmm. because my movie going experience with this movie was, I honestly, I can't remember the last time that I, and and I, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've seen it so many times in theaters. This is not this. This is not, this movie has not cracked my top 10 of all time. But the ride I went on with this movie was unlike anything I can explain. I was completely involved in the philosophical, existential, action-filled, like, mind-expanding, like, poetic. All the shit that I really like was dumped into this movie. And and you're just kind of being grounded in just a family that doesn't know how to communicate with each other. And where this movie goes and the directions that it takes, I was laughing out loud. I was crying I, I was angry. I, I, I went through everything that one could possibly go through and then being moved by the idea of thinking about life in a different way and, and seeing and thinking about my life in certain ways. And because of the, the way this movie is done through the universe thing, it just really opened up so many different feelings and ideas and forms of expression that were going on in me that I was watching done. And then while I was thinking about those things, an emotion was done to, to me through the movie that just, and I know, I know how you feel about it and that's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't disrespect at all what you have to say. When I walked out of the movie, I saw it with two really good friends. We both, well, all three of us felt the same way. I've never walked out of a movie feeling like I feel like in a strange, absurd, science fiction, weird way that I understood life in a different way. And for that reason, I can't deny what that movie did what, to me. What, what, what different way, though? It, if a movie really made you view life in a different way, like how? I, I, I'm just asking. I genuinely... It's all existential. So that's why it's hard to talk about because, well, you know me very well. Like, I, I, I love existential thoughts. I love thinking about why we're here and what we mean to each other in our time here. It's something that none of us as humans are ever going to figure out. Like, we can't, we, we only have what we have. Time is a huge fucking crazy ass thing in, to me and how we spend it and how it goes away. So all of these things are things that are always living inside of me. So seeing a movie like this where... um Thinking about different choices that I could have made in my life and didn't, because this movie does it so many times, it never forces us to go down one path. And some of them are funny, some of them are interesting, some of them are, like, for what Michelle Yeoh's character goes through, they're snippets. It just started making me think about people and decisions and choices that I've made. What if I made all of them a little bit differently? And, or what if I had done something else? And without judgment, because the movie is fun, for lack of a better term. So I didn't 
have to dwell in what I would usually do in like, my God, what if I had just done this? I started thinking about things in a little bit more of a, of a with some levity, but then also still with the emotional weight of all of that. So I don't think I'd ever given myself that type of permission to think about everything that I have done with my life and not think about the opposite. This may not make any sense at all. I apologize if it doesn't. Maybe I actually can't speak to it, but I understood it. Um, and maybe that's what other people can't speak to either. Because I, I, I can't give you a full-on like sentence as to why this movie, I look at life a little bit differently at the end of it. I think it's just because it, I don't know. Um, uh, th- this is, this I, is I can only know my, how I my on, feel. Yeah, th- yeah, this is my ongoing thing is that I, I will never in the history of my life be mad at someone or think less of someone or belittle someone for liking a film. That's not how I roll. I'm trying to bring positivity into it. But the only, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, again, I'm going to get to my my thoughts. I just, I keep seeing praise of this movie everywhere. The uh, I, I, I'm going to get to this in my remarks. The uh, the hive behind this movie online is really, really toxic and really, really dangerous. Like they're basically like if you even uh, tweet out like a moder- a moderately disparaging remark, they're like attacking you. Fuck you. Well, and that's you don't ridiculous. Know movies, all this. Yes. Yeah. And that's I, I keep looking like. But okay, but I mean, moving on from that, you liked it as much the second time? Yes, I did. But I I liked it better in the theater because it was just an overall better movie experience. But even watching it the second time, I I was on the ride for it. And, you know, like, man, that rock scene, (laughs) like, like, yeah, Yeah, like I like that, that to me is just. That's just fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a perfect place for me to start. I, I genuinely have nothing written down in front of me about this because I just want to yeah. speak from the heart. Yeah. Here's the thing. So this movie came out in March. I see, I saw 158 movies in 2022. That's just, I keep a list. It's, it's a lot of movies. I see a lot every year. Most of those movies, genuinely, if I sent you my notes app, if I invited you to it, you could see it. Most of them are just like, I give B, C grades just and and I do not really remember them that well. I try to remember every movie I've seen, but it's just like, oh, okay, that's a movie that's out there. Like there are so many movies I see so many movies from 2022 that I've seen that I've never talked about on this podcast because I just don't I don't feel like they deserve any. You know, it's like, okay, that's a good movie. I just saw fucking Plane with Gerard Butler, which is a 2023 movie. I'm never going to talk about Plane. It was like it was an action movie. It's like, okay, there it is. Man from Auto with Tom Hanks. I would normally never talk about that because that's just one of those movies where it's like, oh, it's a two star. It's a B minus, whatever you want to call it. It just, it was there. I watched it. Okay. Everything Everywhere is one of those movies to me that when I saw it, I assumed there was going to be some hive behind it. And I acknowledged by April that I started calling this the best picture front runner. I was calling my shot early. The best way I can describe it is it was one of those movies to me. It was a completely just, Nothing burger movie that did not stay in my head. I would never, ever have a reason to think about this again if it wasn't being talked about for awards when it wins Oscars. I don't know which Oscars it's going to win. It's definitely going to win supporting actor. But when it wins Oscars, I am never going to have a reason to think about this movie ever again, nor will I. And I that's the majority of movies I see every year. I could say that about 
we choose to talk about the ones that really had an impact on us and that we really love. So that's all. That that's like my where I started when I saw it. The what I would call uh drastically hyperbolic praise that has been thrown to this. I don't mean by critics, I don't mean from people like yourself. I mean the people who like this movie online are not they are not behaving nicely and it is actively and that's not right at, i know and that's not the yeah. movie's fault and i'll get to that but that is actively week after week harming this film's oscar chances to the point where both daniels have gone on twitter and said hey y'all like c- can you chill like we're so yeah. happy you like our movie but you got like people aren't dumb for not liking a movie like it's fine yeah it, it's all no. good like i I guess the long and short of it is, uh, in general, like existentialism things, I don't really respond to it. But I mean, 2001's existential and I respond to that. Yeah. So that's not like a blanket statement, but I don't find, I personally find uh, no value in thinking like, are we living, is there another universe going on? Like, is there, is there another version of me? As someone who has struggled with issues of depression, it I don't find value in going back a lot and looking back mm-hmm. on mistakes I've made, which I have poor decisions I made, which I've had, you can't change those. And yeah. I, to see someone like futilely uh, do it over and over, I got I got what the movie was doing very early on. And what I gathered from about minute 25 is I went, oh my God, the entire movie is going to be <laughs> like this. And I'm going to have to <laughs> sit here for this. Like hot dog fingers, rocks. I get it all. I totally get what you're doing. I get it. I thought it was profoundly dumb. And then I did not think the ending worked at all. I was like, that's that's your emotional payoff. I just, again, I will not use the word hate for it. I will not call people dumb who like it, even though the people, some people who like it think the people who don't like it are dumb. I will not do that at all. I know a lot of people who've responded to this. Um, I've also noticed something. Because I have been saying it's Oscar chances I think are very high. And I know you told me you do know a few people, but I have found... I have not found a single older person who has responded to this movie. Yeah. A lot of people have found this one on their own. Younger people seem to be responding to it. I've heard a lot that it's like, it's like a two hour and 15 music video, which is just like to use that as praise, like hurts my head, but that's okay. And then I've, what I've heard from every single person older than me who has seen it is that, what was that? That was just dumb. That was stupid. Like, uh, uh, okay. Huh? And uh, that that was just kind of my thoughts. Again, this isn't like a hard sell anti-recommendation. I would never tell someone to not watch this. I want anyone to watch any movie because I want to see if you get something out of it. I am not seeing, nor did I see what all of you saw. Michelle Yeoh, lover. Jamie Lee Curtis, lover. It's all good. It's it's fine. I'm just, I guess I'm going to close my remarks by saying I'd be very excited when this Oscar season is done, because then I won't have to talk about this movie anymore. And that's it. <laughs> the, the movie is the movie. I saw this thing in March, but I I did use the word hate to you in a text message, not about the movie, but I hate the way this narrative is turned, that this is apparently the best movie ever made. And if you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. I hate that type of reaction toward a film. It is not what we should be doing. We should be like, and if you like a movie and someone else doesn't, hey, guess what? It's okay. You don't have to use such harsh language about it. Like, it's cool. You can still love your movie. It doesn't mean we all have to. And I'm not alone here. I used to think I was alone. Dan has never liked this movie either. So we've been 
talking about it a lot for the year. But um, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, I don't have anything like big or sweeping or profound or here's my takedown of everything everywhere. I don't have a takedown. No, but no, you're right, though, because we're having exactly what you're talking about right now. Like, this is the type of conversation that people don't seem to have. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's a, it's like a political conversation. People are just shutting yeah. you down if you don't like everything everywhere. I'm just trying to get some insight. Like, why did you well, like it? Folks, hear me now. I still, I'm a little on the edge, a little bit, but I still think this is going to win Best Picture. Right now, as of this recording, I do. And any movie that's going to win Best Picture, or if it's not, it's definitely number two. It's definitely in the running. It's number one or number two. I I have the right to scrutinize it a little more. And I have a right to call out the uh, jerks who, who like this well, movie. Yeah. You're not one of them, but who like this movie, who are treating people who don't like it like they're Satanists or something. Like, And that's stupid. Calm like, down. That's, calm down. Yeah, you know, like it, at the end of the calm day, down. it's a movie. And, th- and that's the thing, too, is like I never – I remember when you even said like way back when that this movie is going to be up for Oscars. I was like, what? Get out of here. No, it's not. I just it's knew. a little – this is a strange little weird little explosion of a movie that I'm like, this isn't going to be Oscars. Like this isn't going to be. Yeah. Like that. I even still, when I think about and, uh, my favorite movie of the year, I think it is very also interesting that I can't speak to it. I have tried. This is a very surreal situation to be in to explain why I feel so strongly emotionally about a movie that made me, took me on this ride that it did. And yet, I can't give you a reason. <laughs> and I, I I have thought about this since I've seen it. We, even when we walked out of the theater, we were just like, and I, I, I loved, we couldn't articulate. I mean, hey, maybe that's, maybe that's speaking well to the movie. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot either. I'm not, I'm not like, no, I, I've I been mean, you know, struggling I, to, I, I fear yeah. of how it like sounded. I, well, it's because you and I know each other well. I think audience is going to be like, Jesus Christ, Alex, like calm down. I, I was just, oh, for I'm sure they're going to think explanation. that. Well, yeah, I mean, they probably always do. <laughs> if I go to like New York Times, A.O. Scott, I'm sure has written like a wonderfully articulate, you know, very eloquent piece about why he likes this movie or someone has, I'm sure. Like, and I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot and be like, well, if Nick Dostal can't explain it, then the movie sucks. That's not what I'm saying. No, I, I'm just, no, no, As no, your no, friend, no. I'm just really curious. You know, I mean, first time I watched 2001, I couldn't really describe why I like it a lot. So maybe it's just going to need a little more time with you, but it's just not something I'm going to, it's not a movie I'm going to go back to. I'm not going to go back to Coda yeah. or well, Nomadland either. It, it, it's okay. I mean, I don't really think there's many people that are sitting in the middle ground with this movie. I think it's either people feel like how I feel about it, where it did something. Mm-hmm. It struck something and opened up a lot of people because my two friends, we all cried. We, yeah. we were all like really profoundly moved to the point that we didn't have words. So I think there's that. And then there's like... People that just didn't get it. And I don't even know what there is to get. That's why I can't even like when you say like whatever this movie did to all of you, like I just don't get. I can't even like fault you because like if I can't explain what that is, then like how am I even supposed to form like an argument? Um, All I can really say is that whatever it did, I got and I very much appreciated. But um no one should talk to anyone like this about movies because it is. It's just a fucking movie. Yeah. And, and that's not that's again, that it's not the director's fault. Yeah. It's not a 24 or the movie's fault. It's just a shame that that's that's what's happened. And they clearly were. I mean, everyone is trying to combat this. Like even Jamie Lee Curtis is going on social media like, hey, hey, folks, like it's all it's all good. It's just it's going to be 
I hope it calms down a little bit because, you know, it, it doesn't deserve to have a reputation like that. And it won't. It's just like a current thing. But um, no, it's just he's going to win thing. supporting actor and he's going to give an, an incredible speech. It's going to be very heartfelt and very just, you know, heartwarming. It really but will. It, 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 it will be. But, you know, also, too, like, like, as someone who like, number one, I wouldn't give this movie to any actors. Like personally, we can we can save that for our yeah. yeah. Let's we save can that save for that. Oscar. Yeah. But you did tell me that while this is your number one of the year, you did not anticipate it being like a big Oscar movie, and you're you kind of like, uh oh, like uh, okay, this is yeah, potentially writing or potentially production right. design. That that's the that the those are the two. Another reason I can't get on my high horse about people liking movies that I weren't really for me or that I don't understand because my number one film of the year. Bardo, oh. false chronicle of a handful of truths. We did a whole episode about it, episode 80. I noticed this was neglected from your list, but Bardo, oh. not an easy movie. Did you should you have added it on your list or did you just forget it or what? Where's your head at right now? No, I I remember I was thinking a lot about this when it came to Deep Water. <laughs> yeah, Deep Water is a better film because than Bardo and Vortex and Emily the Criminal. That's okay. According to Nick Delson. I think I, I wanted I wanted to represent Deep Water. And I also think I also thought that Bart I knew Bardo was gonna be on yours. Yeah. And and I knew we were gonna talk about it. And um but I honestly as this list was going on, I was scrambling my head and I and I did not think that it was gonna be your number one. I thought oh, that would yeah. have been like closer to like your because I know how much you loved it. I thought it would have been in your top five, but as we were going through it, I was like, what am I missing? So, yeah, I, um, oh, that's, now it makes so much sense. Yeah, um, you have, like, a whole yeah. army of everything, everywhere, island. I'm just alone on Bardo. I'm just No, alone you are. No, I, I know I'm with you, but obviously it's not in my, my top ten. Yeah, shit. Yeah, shit. so, Bardo, False Chronicle, of A Handful of Truths, Alejandro Gonzalez, and Yuritu. We covered this on episode 80. I love this movie. Thought it was an absurdist work of art that I had no idea where it was going. I was on the journey, but I did not know how to anticipate the destination. And because of this, when there's about 25, 30 minutes left in the movie, we find the central family of the film standing together on a beach. And <laughs> I was so profoundly moved that I sobbed like a child. I was alone in the theater, thank God. But when I realized what he was doing with that beach scene, because I didn't even know what while it was going on, it took like toward the end of the scene. The tricky thing about Bardo is that the proper way to discuss it is by discussing the entire thing, including the end, which I do not want to do here because I actually still want people, anyone, someone <laughs> to click play on Netflix and discover this for yourself. This is not the easiest film, but it lands with such emotional honesty. I'll get a little honest about something here because I, I was like, man, this thing, it really did like grab onto me. Like it, it did. And I can't, it did. It did. Yeah. I can't talk about yeah. one of the central conflicts in Bardo. What is resolved on that beach, in fact, without giving it away. So I'm going to be a little cagey, but the thing that is revealed on that beach, the central conflict in Bardo, this is something that a lot of people go through and that no one talks about. Uh, it's very scary. It's very uncomfortable. But I have many wonderfully kind people in my life who have endured such a circumstance, sometimes more than once. And I, I mean, I have, 
I have a close friend in my life who's gone through this a few times, actually, in the past few years, and it's it's just devastating. And I can't, I, I acknowledge that I'm bringing that personal emotional weight to Bardo, but I do think that is what film is intended to do. I think it's main cause is to stir and provoke emotion and if things we have lived through or things we empathize with help inform our opinion of a movie then so be it and you know Inuritu makes tough movies and I really respond to them and as best I can track it I'm just speaking for me personally I'm someone who's been through a lot of pain in my life as I'm sure a lot of people have and I like to think I've come out on the other side of that and you know most normal people don't want to be reminded of such pain in their life, but an inner appreciation can come from dealing with such pain and then becoming a functional member of society again. I think a lot of Inuritu's movies are about this. I think 21 Grams is about this. I think Bardo's about this. I'll never forget this movie. It moved me into my core. I've seen it seven times. I will cherish it forever. And I know I'm alone. And I've gotten. Two people, Dan, went to the theater and saw it. I couldn't believe it. I've got two other people to watch this. And they were like, you know, they, no one, I don't know anyone who's responded to it how I have. And that's, that's why I'm not, can't be mad at anyone whose favorite film of the year is Everything Everywhere. I mean, we're both talking about big swing films, which is, you know, speaks for something. So that's good. But yeah, Bardo and Uritu. I know you liked the movie, yeah, that's glad, but much. that's why I was just being a little like, uh, uh, because you didn't, you know. Just solidified your island. Exactly, exactly. All right, there they are. There were, those are our top tens. Let's go through them. There was a good conversation about everything everywhere. That's probably the longest one we'll have. Ever. Because, you know, it'll, it'll just be brought up on <laughs> about an Oscar time. But all right, let's go through our top tens real quick because there was a lot of back and forth of, oh, you already said that. Okay, I'll do mine. Ten, all quiet on the Western Front. Nine, Bones and All, 8, Emily the Criminal, 7, Top Gun Maverick, 6, Blonde, 5, Petite Malma, 4, Babylon, 3, Triangle of Sadness, 2, Vortex, 1, Bardo. Wow. You. 10, Vortex, 9, Emily the Criminal, 8, Blonde, 7, Deep Water, (laughs) 6, Triangle of Sadness, 5, The Whale, Four, Top Gun Maverick. Three, Petite Mama. Two, Babylon. One, Everything Everywhere All at Once. We had seven in common. That's cool. Just three missing. And honestly, like the whale was, again, close to making mine. Bardo was mine. And deep water is just like a deep water. It's just a great pool. I love it. Honorable mentions. I like to just put these here. I, I put a very clear distinction that this does not, this is not my 11 through 15. Some are just really fun, but you know, if you, do you have any? That oh you yeah. Added? I've got a few. Okay. Okay, cool. So, okay. Yeah. So let's go back and forth. Well, let me do my one that you've already mentioned was the whale. Darren Aronofsky. I said, Brendan Fraser is my favorite performance of the year. No question. Tough movie to quote unquote love, but what in, just what an honest heart it had. It really, really did. So because that was on your list, I wanted to mention that one. But yeah, I, I want to hear a honorable mention from you too. I think number one, and I need to rewatch it, is Banshees. Oh, cool. I need, cool. Because I, I did like that movie. I had my own tonal issues with it, just being a McDonough fan and maybe just being confused that he was doing something different. But it wasn't until a conversation with your dad. Mm-hmm. He liked it a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, he liked it a lot. And then um, a friend of mine told me the same argument that 
this is a war movie. It is. And, it is. Yeah. And I. It's all an allegory for their war. Yeah, yeah. And it's going on in the background. I got that part of it. But mm-hmm. to actually think about it as like two countries at war. I mean, the thing is now, okay, this is a great perspective. It's a great take. It will probably actually make the second time I watch this, I'll look at it through a whole different lens and maybe appreciate it Same even more. Yeah. But here's the thing. Not having that perspective the first time in and exp- and like being like built in, sort of like, listen, you need to kind of treat this a certain way going in. Th- like that was not in my head at all. So because someone else had to tell me to look at it this way, does that make it that good of a movie? Like, it, there you go. You, yeah, you that's know? a great question. Like, like, like. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I th- I can already see with thinking of it like that how much I'd like it better because it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It, it'll probably make my tonal issues make a lot more sense because where I yeah. would think normally he would go with either like funnier or more disturbing, what you're left with and what he gives you is a little bit more confusion. It may actually make things more layered. It may actually make the stakes higher for me than I thought that they were the first time around. I agree with everything you just said. You and I responded pretty much exactly the same to this. Uh, I I got it. I was like, oh, okay. I I didn't. I I was left with a little bit of, oh, that's it. And then I think I don't want to speak for you, but we're both kind of uh, pleasantly baffled by all the uh, Oscar love that this is potentially going to receive. It's like, oh, I mean, I cannot tell you all again. I don't want to step on the Oscar episode, but it is incredibly rare for one movie to get four acting nominations. And two movies are likely going to do that this year with yep. Banshees and Everything Everywhere. And that's like, I don't know if Everything Everywhere will. Banshees absolutely yeah, Banshees is. Will. Feral, two supporting, and then Carrie Condon oh, and supporting I, actress. Like, that's that's just crazy. It's good. It's good. It is I good. I hope it wins at least one. Well, I don't know. Like, like I don't know. I, I, I'll give it to all the acting, like, for sure. And then even the script. But... Everything else for the movie, like I personally, I probably wouldn't. But that's how I'm thinking about it right yeah. now. Well, no, that's what I mean. It's gonna get a, it's gonna get a lot of above the line nominations. Picture, maybe director, probably director, probably. screenplay, four acting. That's already like eight nominations. That's crazy. Seven nominations, uh, all big ones. But anyway, another one for me. Tar Todd yeah. Field. I mentioned it. I rented it for $7 last weekend. It was my second watch. I took my time with it. I rewound it when I needed to. It is better now after my first viewing. This movie is still, God, it is cold as Arctic ice. But, you know, all hail Kate. I hope she wins the Oscar. She's giving Michelle Yeoh a run for her money. We'll we'll see. But she's just, uh, you don't see bad Kate. And this is Kate at her absolute best. Oh my God. It's like she is on one, dude. It's, on one. I, I really like this movie. I really, really liked it. I um I saw it last night. Oh, you saw yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I got oh, it I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Because this was one of the ones. Oh, well, tell me about it. I didn't know. I didn't know you liked it. Yeah, I. Well, one man, I'll tell you. If you want, if you want a direct line to starting a movie off right for me, you start with the credits. Like what a fucking swing. I don't. I, that's what I said it, when I was reviewing it. it. I was. Hey, man. There were people in my theater not into yep. it. Yep. And Todd Field. Takes his time. Yes. <laughs> You're t- I mean, these are not uh, fast credits. He takes his time. Black screen. And they are yep. not a lot of music playing. My crowd, it clearly lost. Like, I saw it with an older crowd in D.C. It lost them. And they did not get on board because there's still two hours and 40 minutes yep. to go. 
So and, and yeah, I so I mean, and I hope that's something that I can see that becoming a trend because I know there's a few movies that have done that fairly recently. Like I remember um, Vox Lux did that, and I loved it. Yeah, but at least in Vox Lux, we had like some cool yeah, shit. Yeah, that's to look true. At. There was the stuff typeface going on. was cool. Tar yeah, is a black screen. A black like screen. it's just like the credits. You're like, but whoa, what a swing! That that wow. For right now, that will always be. I'll be like, mm, oh yeah, I like what you're doing. But uh, we'll see how that plays out as more movies will. I guarantee you, start to do that. But um, and I loved that the first basically like twenty to thirty minutes was this interview. Like a like yeah and yeah and and what I thought worked about that so well was like we were really getting a history lesson on composers and it, it, I thought that was a very very interesting way to start off exposition for a movie by basically laying out a history lesson for everyone who's uneducated in the world of composing and we don't we don't have any frame of reference to who these people are but. The writing of it and the and the direction of it, we don't need to. We get the idea. And then we see someone who clearly knows what they're talking about. We feel the world of this. And we don't need any more than that. But I was actually, like, captivated. I felt like I was watching a television interview about a topic that I did not know. And I was learning a lot. And I, I felt something about the people that were having this conversation. I've never really seen a movie pull that off for that long and have it work that well. Yeah, because I don't need to understand everything that's going on in a movie or everything that everyone's talking about. I don't know shit about classical music. I know I like certain aspects of classical music. I just need to believe that the characters believe it. Yeah. And wow, does she believe it. That's it. Like when I watch, when we watch a medical TV show or a doctor show, we don't know what the hell the doctors are doing in surgery. They're using words we don't understand. I just have to believe that they believe it. Yeah. That's all. That's it. And she did. I'm always a fan of, uh, big stars playing wildly unlikable characters and I, I just I loved it I thought she was great I I had no idea this was a um I can say this now I didn't say it when I first reviewed it a uh, me too movie yeah. like I, I just I had no idea that's where it was gonna go a cancel cult cancel culture movie I was like oh wow good I'm glad I'm so glad you watched it yep I I I did my best to get all of them in um yeah i really 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 like this movie uh again like they're like these were the three it was bardo banshees and tar that were the ones where i was like fuck like i don't think these are gonna get in there yeah do you have another one any other yeah honorable mention yeah do it nitram oh yeah nice one yeah yeah we we've texted about this i Recommend this one on that NC-17 episode in that horror movie list. Before you go, I think I said Caleb Landry Jones has never been better, including in the final scene of The Outpost, even though I love him in The Outpost. And then, uh, God, like Anthony LaPaglia, like, oh my God, he was that scene with him on the couch between the two of them. But yeah, how'd you respond to this? This is a... This is dark, people. This is a dark flick. Yeah, this is a a dark one. Um, It's not one that I can even really recommend. Um... It, yeah, it's, it's not like I loved this movie. Go see it. It's like I appreciate how uh, hard that was. It, like yeah. this is the type of recommendation where someone's like, "Okay, I really want to watch something that's got like a like a very very strange lead performance in a really dark movie." Like, like it's, no one asks for that. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I mean, damn if this is not like one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. That dude's. Yeah. He's doing different stuff, man. He's 
everything I've seen him in, he's a weird guy. Like you can tell, like just in like all his performances, there's a level of offness to him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it works so favorably for his performances. (laughs) And uh, I'm sick of the get out when he gets him in a fucking chokehold at the dinner table. It's like, why didn't you leave, dude? Like if the second a, a potential brother-in-law puts me to choke hold at the dinner table, I stand up and I go, "Hey, I'm out. See you guys." Anyway, yeah, like, he's so crazy. Get out. He's <laughs> crazy in everything, and even like, the, like even three billboards. He's that weird guy. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely a type. But um, I mean, the way that he embodies these people. Um, they're truly, each one is very distinct from another one. If I look at his filmography, like the, the guy and guy he is in the outpost is very different than the guy in get out, very different from this guy. Yet we all feel for them. Like even, even the get out guy, you're like, I don't know what it is, but I, I, there's something about this guy that like, I know people like him or I've met weirdos like him. I could tell you a crazy movie from him. You likely, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the, the Safties? Heaven Knows What? Oh no. Jesus. That's a movie they made before Good Time. Oh really? Oh my God. He's in Yeah, that. they cast like, they, yeah, they met like a heroin junkie on the streets, like young woman. They're like, want to make a story? Like a movie about your life? And they just cast her as herself and- she is he is her boyfriend and it is uh tough it's tough uh, heaven knows what go check that out folks I, he, but i, I bring yeah. that up because that's a they made that for no money no money and this is a guy who's clearly i don't know if he's being offered roles in huge movies but he seems to me that he's choosing his career very carefully and everything he's putting up is brilliant yeah whether or not you've seen it because the movie's too small like nitrum that's one thing but it's there. I don't know. I, he has every right to blow up. I wonder if he doesn't want to blow up because he doesn't want to blow up. I wonder if he just wants to stay in the lane he's in, which I really respect. So, um, and he is, this performance really here solidified it. I mean, I knew it already, but this was the one where I was like, okay, I'll watch anything this guy does because oh yeah, he he's he's truly on another level. A few more for me, honorable mentions. And these are very, had to put them on here. Scream 5. There you go. Directed by the team known as Radio Silence. I just, I love that they pulled this off. Every, all the reservations I had about Scream 5, and I had a lot. These are the same reservations I have for part six coming out in March on Oscar weekend, which I'll be potting about with Dan. Just Dan. So I have no choice but to give in to these filmmakers again. You gotta, you gotta watch part five so that we can see the, th- the three of us going to the theater to see Scream 6 and then potting about it right after will be so fucking fun. Did It'll he, be so fun. I'll see Scream 5. <laughs> I'm saying reserve, hour 45 minutes, throw your phone, put it in a bathroom, you know, and then sit and watch it. I, That's the only way you're allowed to watch Scream I 5. only watch movies for the pod. That is the only way I watch movies. So, so if we're going to go. make a Scream 6 podcast, then I know I have to see Scream 5. Well, Scream 6, look out for that one, folks. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Kimmy. Directed oh, by yeah. Steven Soderbergh. Yep. Came out way back when. Tough not to include a Soderbergh film in my top 10 after Let Them All Talk and No Sun Move have made my, they made my 2020 and 2021 lists. But, you know, I did a mini-soda on Kimmy back in March of 2022. Do you know what Steven Soderbergh's next movie is, Haas? I feel like I do. It's called magic mike's oh, last dance that's right <laughs> and oh, part God. three. Oh, i can't wait we got to do an episode on oh, that one too i can't, I can't wait. wait it looks so good oh it's gonna be <laughs> i love and we saw the trailer for it when babylon yeah and, and the trailer yeah. made it like look, yes it, it, it was perfect because folks the trailer makes it look like 
it's the type of movie that we would never want to see. And Alex and I know better. Go back and watch the Magic Mike trailer. It is so glossy. They have a Rihanna song in it. It's so like glossy. And I watched this and I went, what? I What is this? And I just had to put my trust in Soderbergh. And I went to it and I'm like, this ain't some stripper movie. This is a Soderbergh movie. Yep. Because <laughs> he's, he's Magic Mike XXL is the stripper movie. That, that's, and, that's what that is. And yeah. Soderbergh didn't and I love it. And Soderbergh <laughs> didn't direct that either. He was just a producer. Right, he shot so, and edited it. Yeah. So this yeah. is coming back to the original. And I liked XXL too, because that is what gave everyone what they wanted. And now yeah, they're exactly. completing it. And uh and I, I, I cannot wait. It's February, right? Yes. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day. Yes. February 10th, I think. It's right around Valentine's Day. Yeah. We got to watch that then. I've, I told you, I think it'd be a lot of fun to go see it in the theater that weekend and then just pot about it right after and just, you know, lay it all out there. What? I didn't know you. See, you watch this shit and you don't tell me. You didn't tell me you saw XXL. Yeah, I saw XXL. Well, fucking text me, man. I want to know that you're watching those men stage. <laughs> watching those men. We've ran long. This has been fun, though. We had we had really good conversations. I wanted to have the everything everywhere conversation. And, you know, look at that. It's like, I don't know if this has ever happened. If you and I did top 10 lists starting now and went backwards for every year, but that, that became our new thing. And that's all we're going to do. I do not think we would ever have a circumstance where your number one and my number one are not, are not on the other person's list. That's wild. I mean, it's cool, though. It's cool. It is, and so vastly not on each other's list. <laughs> Favorite movie-going experiences in the theater in 2022. We can go through them quickly. Yep. Didn't know if you had any to call out. I promise I'm going to go through these quickly. Top Gun Maverick, as you said. I, yep. am, I can't remember the last time I saw people literally stand up and cheer, which they literally did. Nope, which is a movie we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, I, I liked it the first time I saw it. Loved the way it looked when I saw it a second time in IMAX. Just completely changed my opinion of it. And still still do like that movie. I like it way more than I did the first time I watched it. And I still think it's Jordan Peele's best film. So I'm excited to see what he does next. Triangle of Sadness. I can't, I, if I've laughed harder in the movie theater, I do not remember when. I almost vomited because I was laughing so hard. Bardo extremely profound and then babylon with you while yep. it was a very lame crowd it was just fun to get to see that with you and have yep. that movie be so good so those are a few i wanted to mention yep. and then i have a f- another list but let me hear from some of yours babylon to start yep with be- being with you that i think that made it that much better uh top gun yeah i mean that's um that's yeah. that's the, the, the top gun and and avatar 2 just two of the f- most fun i've ever had watching a movie in the theater like that yeah. was just that just just truly incredible stuff um petite mama oh vi- i because because i wa- i was a double feature inadvertently because i saw mm-hmm. that nicholas cage movie i forgot what it was called movie who plays himself the unbearable weight of massive talent yeah is just, that what it let's is? just i didn't let's, look it up let's I just leave yeah, it at unbearable <laughs> oh shots fired Ooh. I love you, Nicolas Cage. And so I had to see something else to wash it out of my throat. And um, and then I walked into these tiny little petite mama movie and it had like the, just a beautiful experience. My favorite movie of the year. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. I've never walked mm-hmm. out of a movie like that. And um, but I'm also saving this the way I started, the way I ended it. I have never had the experience in the movie theater that I did having watched Vortex. And I don't ever want to do that again. So let's just, I'll give it its due and we're moving on. 
One of the coolest things about going to the movie theater post-COVID is that a lot of theaters are very keen on showing old movies now. Oh, yeah. I like that. Five, I want to mention that I got to see in the big screen that I really love. Oh, yeah. The Godfather, they re-released that. I saw that twice in one week. And like, I mean, I've seen The Godfather so many times. But the second time I went and I was like, you're going to study this fucker. Go and study it. And I did and just really actively paid attention and... Godfather, one of the best movies ever made. Yes, Surprise, surprise. Even more effective on the big screen. The Terminator, seeing that with yep. you at the new Beverly Cinema was an absolute delight. Going to the theater and having the opportunity to see the Three Colors trilogy. Yes. I know I you're going to say on this one. Yeah. That was incredible. Like, Highlight. It was just, well, spe- speak your part on it too, because I have a few more, but yeah, it was just so fun. That, I mean, I, yep. fun. It was just, it was really, it was so emotional. And like, I, I never thought I'd get the chance to see those on the big screen. I just never did. The, it, and, and, and being someone who hasn't seen them, um, the, the, that was, I got to see them one week apart from each other on an every Wednesday. And it was, and a, I went three in a row. Three in a row. Boom, boom, boom. It, it, for that month, it was August. I remember that month like was just one of the most inspir- artistically inspirational months because I would have to a week to digest what I had just seen over and over. As man, there's so much with this movie. Then you move on to the next one, and I'm thinking about that for a week, and then I move on to the last one. And I'm thinking about that one for. I mean, it was just a, it was a great. Gr- that that may have been my favorite thing I did this year in the movie theater was seeing those three. Yeah, I got to see I got to do a double feature of Heat and Reservoir Dogs on the big screen. First time for both. Never, ever had heard. I mean, the sound and heat was great, but I never knew. I mean, when you're obsessed with a movie like Reservoir Dogs like I am and you've only ever seen it on video and you can't hear that 5.1 surround sound mix. I was just hearing new things that I never heard before. Crazy. And then uh, hang on to this one, folks, but I did get to see A Place in the Sun with my dad in the theater, Uh, and that was great. But hang on to that little tidbit of information. Let's go to what are you watching? We've we've gone long. It's been a lot of fun to catch up on all these movies. You first, me first. I don't care. I'll do it. No, me me. first, because I'm I'm sick of you. I'm sick of you taking all of these. You're always going first. Yeah. So I'm going to do it now. Well, we've turned the corner. Yeah, all right, always, well, you do it always. and I'll do mine. And then I have to do a little housekeeping to end here, which is going to be fun. Whatever. Go. You sent me a text a few days ago of, of a picture of a of upcoming Criterion release Ooh, that yes. I, um, I, I've doubled down on what are you watching several times Wait with a this. Wait. You did this in our top five of 2021. Yeah. And I'm you doing it again. This. I'm recommending it for 20. 20- this is yeah. the. Of all the fucking movies, you have to go back to something, not only that you've already recommended, but something that we've talked about so much on the podcast. Because I feel like no one is listening. People are listening. No one is doing People it. People just start watching. So, so I'm hammering it home. I endorse where you're going. Go, Yes, go. thank you. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> In 2020, the only good thing to come out of that year, no, that's not true, <laughs> but it certainly was the best thing to come out of that year was a five-movie anthology by the great Steve McQueen called Small Axe. You have heard Alex and I speak about this at nauseum, and I am doing it again because in the favorite of 2022 has got to be this because the Criterion is is releasing <laughs> it. Which on, is awesome. Which, which is, is so fucking cool. awesome. So in, in, uh, in, in preparation for that, 
Go see any one of those movies, any five. I don't care which one. Um, uh, Lover's Rock is our favorite. That is the second movie in the anthology. Just watch any of them, any of them. One, two, three, four, five, any of them. I like it. I, I agree with the recommendation. I see I see what's happening. Anytime you can't think of something, you're just going to go with Small X. It's going to be the default. Small X, what are you watching? It's a great <laughs> I mean, it is cool that they're releasing on Criterion, even though these are yep. all available on Amazon. That's definitely Criterion I'm going to own. It's just going to feel good to like have it. And I really, good recommendation. Yes, you Thank did you. recommend that as. Thank you. That was your what are, what are you watching recommendation for 20, top 10 of 2021 because it came out in 2020. Thank you. What are you watching for me? You actually might be a little mad at me for this one. Sorry, because I kind of, you asked me on the phone. All right, I got a few more to catch up with. What should I do? But it didn't make my list. Watch it this morning. Decision to Leave by Park Chan Wook. I watched this at 5 a.m. this morning because, and I spent my time with it. It's a murder mystery of sorts, but it moves fast, fast, fast. And it has some very daring and quick editing. And on my first watch in the theater... I missed a lot, so, (laughs) and I knew I did, and even though Capsule Review of it in episode 79, that I was going to need to go back and rewatch it, so I paid the $8 this morning, it was absolutely worth it, this is not as physically shocking as some of Chan Woke's other films, like The Handmaiden, Snowpiercer, Old Boy, but it is, it's a really twisty thriller with a remarkable lead performance from Tang Wei as the wife of a man who d- has died in a shocking rock climbing accident. Did he die by suicide? Was he murdered? Decision to leave. It's definitely worth your time. And I'm really, really glad I rewatched this 2022 movie. That's all. Good South Korean movie to check out. Wonder if it'll get nominated. I hope so. For, you know, best international feature. We'll see. I want to tease a few things. W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. You can find us there on Twitter, which we are on, on Instagram, which we are on, and on Letterboxd. I've had the Letterboxd account going for a while. I haven't been that good about it. I have embarked on an insane venture to log every single movie I watch on Letterboxd in 2023. I'm logging. I've already been doing it. So if you want to go in there, if you have no idea what Letterbox is, that's okay. Neither does Nick. Ah! If you have a Letterbox account and you want to go on it and follow W-A-Y-W underscore podcast, I'm giving kind of mini reviews for 2023 movies and the star grade. But then I'm, I'm also logging just every single movie I watch. So it, it you're, you're going to get a little insight into my brain to be like, oh, he watched airplane and 21 grams back to back that's interesting but that's just the way i roll so another cool reason if you're on letterbox to follow us is that if you are seeing the movies i'm logging you might be like "Ooh, they may have a blank blank episode coming up they may like if you went on there now you'd see emily the criminal all quiet on the western front so you know it's it's kind of be a little insight into what we could be talking about but you'll also see that i just watch a lot of crazy stuff that has nothing to do with the podcast. It's just for me. Yes. Can I do it too? Whatever. We'll figure it out. So you're saying no. You're saying no. I hear no. Just say no. Another housekeeping. Our next episode will come very quickly as the Oscar nominations are on Tuesday, January 24th. We will record that night. Try to get that up on Wednesday, hopefully. This episode you're listening to now, I mean, these things are going to come out back to back. So enjoy that extra extra bit of content then then we are going to do a podcast on 
A Place in the Sun, starring Montgomery Clift, directed by George Stevens. Most notably, we are going to have our first official podcast in-studio guest, my dad, Mark is going to join us. We were all here together. We all recorded it. I've already finished editing it. He did so well. So I'm so proud of him. Uh, so it's it. I'm so, so excited. We're, I'm going to aim to release that one right in the beginning of February. But oh, my God, it was so fun just to talk with both of you about that. So I just wanted to tease those out just to stay tuned because I'm really I mean, a podcast with my dad is like it's just one of my favorite things I've done blogging, podcasting, like period. It was it was really, really cool and a lot of fun. It was awesome. Well, and then be on the lookout because after that, we're going to go to the grave and we are going to talk to my dad about his favorite movie. Jesus Christ. MASH? <laughs> MASH? I thought it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No, he he he, he preferred MASH, but One Flew was right next oh. to Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, then we're going to go to the beach where I spread my mom's ashes and we'll watch her favorite film, Psycho. Wow, this got dark at the end. No one's no one's listening. No one's here. No, no. Three Colors podcast did very well with the numbers. Thank you, everyone. I was very surprised by that. I Sometimes I wonder if I should announce the ones that didn't do that well so that people go check them out. There's one that didn't do well. It took me so long, so long to do. That's okay. Same private Ryan commentary. Oh, that was been great. struggling. That was great. It's been struggling. That, that was I so love great. the same private Ryan commentary because you and I, like, we had such good banter and that we get so far off track of the movie. But yeah, that has not um that has not picked up the swell of numbers that I envisioned because our first two commentaries did like crazy. They did really, really well. I didn't expect the departed and particularly 25th hour to take off, and people really like that, but most interestingly, Sam Private Ryan. We should just do a thing. A just really, like, listen, just put it on. <laughs> you won't put regret it. it. Yeah, just put it on. The movie could start here. Um, our next commentary yeah, really is, a, is a movie that people talk about a little bit more. Stay tuned for that one. That's going to come out directly after our Place in the Sun episode. So right in time for Valentine's Day is going to be our next commentary. I don't want to reveal what it is, but it is perfect. So appropriate for Valentine's Day. It is the most appropriate what are you watching movie for Valentine's Day commentary release. Stay tuned. That's it. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad. I'm honestly really glad we had that everything everywhere conversation. Go like the movies that you like. Just be kind to people if they like or don't like something. That's all. Talked about a lot of good movies here. I'm I'm happy with the year and how it turned out. I'm very excited for 2023. We got names like Scorsese. Wes Anderson, David Fincher, Denny Villeneuve, Ridley Scott, Greta Gerwig. I don't think Sophia's going to have hers Brandon done Cronenberg. in time, but that's okay. Cronenberg. Yeah, which comes out like next week. I'm so yeah, excited for so it. Cool. It's going to be It's going to be cool. But that's it. Anything else? Be kind. Rewind. There, always. That's it. Thanks, everyone. We really appreciate this. W Again, W-A-Y-W underscore podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. Come find us. We'll engage. Thanks so much for listening, and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. Send us mailbag questions at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. 
The Oscar nominations are on Tuesday, January 24th, so next time we're going to hop on mic shortly after they're announced and give our live reactions. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.